0: Addison. Hey, Alex. Do you like podcasts? I do like podcasts. How did you know? I had a hunch. Do you also like potentially going to a university? I mean, not only do I like going to a university, I do it every day, almost. Wow, this is lining up to be pretty darn coincidental. Let me ask you one more question. Sure, Alex. You sure have a lot of those. (laughs) Uh, Well, I came prepared. How do you feel about things that border on the line between terrifying and comedic? I I like them a lot. Well, I don't mean to get too specific, but I think I have something that sounds directly up your alley. Wow, tell me more, Alex. Are you by any chance familiar with a podcast called The Alexandria Archives? <gasps> you don't mean The Alexandria Archives that can be found on Twitter at signal. The very same. <gasps> they can also be found online at thealexandriaarchives.com. Wow. I know. The Alexandria Archives is a cool podcast that details life at Alexandria University, the South's answer to Miskatonic University. Is it strange, wonderful, and often hilarious? I would consider it to be all of those things, yes. Wow, what a find. It really is. But you know what? You don't have to work very hard to find it now because we're telling you about it. You can find it at www.alexandriaarchives.com and also on iTunes and wherever you download podcasts. We recommend you give it a shot. You just might like what you find. Yay, yeah, yo, goes. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. As always, we're entering the realm of the bizarre and frightening, so... Listener discretion is advised. For your own safety we recommend not walking down dark streets alone or telling strange women that they should smile more. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it means you too. So welcome to the club. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And today we are going to talk about... <laughs> All right, that was an intro. Um, So... For this week's selection, I posted a little poll on Patreon uh, for our donors to basically select from some options. I posted a couple different things I'd been researching and thinking about. And um, I think each option got about, out of the four options, three of them got about two or three votes apiece. And then this one got about 14. So this won by a fairly wide margin. Uh and this is um a actual personal favorite legend of mine. It's more folklore than cryptid, but there are some sightings, so we'll talk about it. But this is I am talking about this week the Kuchisake ona or the slip-mouthed woman. This okay. is a Japanese ghost. Very cool. I know literally nothing about her. So Amazing. All right. So this is actually <laughs> this is actually a ghost story I used to have nightmares about when I was a kid, because I would this is weird, but I would read listicles about like ghost stories from around the world. Because was... listicles a thing when we were kids. No, when I was little, little, but when I was like thirteen, there were starting to be okay. listicles. Yeah, okay. Not like a. I wasn't like nine, but I was when I was like a young teen. I didn't think of myself as a kid when I was thirteen. That's fair. I didn't when I was thirteen, but now I look at thirteen-year-olds and go, "Well, that's a child." Well, they're kids, but I wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. When I was about thirteen, though. So. I have known about this for a long time so it was really cool to actually dive into her. Before I do though, you know what I mean? Please rephrase that. <laughs> it was cool to dive into this story, but before I even do that I actually want to just go to our old friend the cryptids wiki and just talk a little bit about ghosts in general, like not like a full like over not like a full overhaul of the thing, just a little yeah, bit about Yeah, what are about... ghosts? <laughs> well, Alex, A ghost, originating from the Germanic Old Norse word meaning rage, ghast, Old English, or geist, as in poltergeist, is the soul of a dead person or animal, a disembodied spirit, usually as a vague, shadowy, or evanescent form, wandering among or haunting living persons. The idea of ghost states that our cryptids are not all they appear to be. The reason I wanted to bring up ghosts is because, and this it goes into this in greater detail on the wiki, I won't read the whole, it's like multiple pages long, but there's a little bit of a, I almost want to call it a manifesto, on this wiki page kind of positing the theory that a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between what people see as cryptid sightings and what people have seen that are supposed to be ghost sightings. Before we get to that, actually, yeah. this is just like a weird thing my brain went off on that yeah, I'm intrigued fine. by, which is I'm always fascinated by like, well, I'm, I'm very fascinated by definitions and etymologies to begin mm-hmm. with, um, just linguistic nature of things in general. But I'm very fascinated in particular by like specific definitions of things in a very literal interpretation. Um because it's very hard to put the concept of something into words, right? And frequently we oh, yeah. don't have words for it. So the art of trying to navigate describing a thing is very interesting to me. But it, I noticed that the description of ghosts specifically states that they have to be like wandering among or haunting living persons, right? Mhm. Which means that like if a ghost is in an area where there are no living people around, they're not a ghost. So yeah. if a ghost falls in the forest and nobody is around I guess <laughs> like they're not a ghost is if the a ghost who is in the forest and nobody Yeah, this yeah. was not a leader to that joke. This is just me saying like that's interesting to me. So a ghost is sort of defined by its relationship not to its own previous life but to the existence of life around it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, okay. speaking of uh speaking of that, there's a there's actually a fun little linguistic fact speaking of ghosts and speaking of language. Uh um there is a prevailing theory in linguistic circles that the reason ghosts say boo which in in popular media is um come derived from the Latin word uh I would want to say, to, mm-hmm. which means to cry aloud, to roar, or to shout. So when a ghost says boo, they're saying, I'm yelling. Oh, yeah. I saw it on yeah. Tumblr before. I didn't know if that was, Yeah, like, no, I did a little sightable. research. There's a Slate article and a New York Magazine article about it and a couple and an article on something called All Things Linguistic. Oh, that's but uh, cute. And mental floss. It's all over the place. But, no, yeah, it's actually verifiable. Uh, and, it may, and I find it absolutely delightful. So a little bit of cute ghost content before we get into some stuff that is a little bit genuinely distressing. So, um, and you may or may not know the answer to this. Yeah. Are we suggesting or are we of the belief that ghosts cannot exist in a place devoid of other people? Or are we saying simply that ghosts, like, flock to places with other people in them because they thrive on that sort of contact? Well, um, particularly with – I read a lot about ghosts and particularly with poltergeists. The the prevailing theory is that poltergeists feed on the energy of the people – they are haunting. Right, 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 right. No, but, I, mean, I, I get that. Like, poltergeists are very yeah. specific. Like, they serve a very specific function I just, I'm in just, order to be yeah. considered poltergeists. I'm just saying, like, ghosts in general. Like, we, there are a lot of non-malicious ghosts out there, oh, yeah. right? Um, but the idea that those either can't exist or won't exist outside of human contact is interesting to me. No, it's very interesting. And honestly, I don't have a real answer for you because... There's a reason we're talking about it on this show. It's not really verifiable, Mm -hmm. especially it's the tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it. If there are ghosts haunting places where there are no people, how would we know if there's no people there to spot them? I don't think think ghosts—my personal opinion would be I don't think ghosts need people to haunt or only are where people are. I think we just only hear about the ones that are where people are for the sole reason that there are no witnesses other places. Right. No, I mean, I get that. I'm just saying that, like, rather than not defining their existence— As related to people, we are specifically defining in our words, like in our statement, that they do not exist in places where other people aren't. That's true. That's interesting to me. Yeah, that is very interesting. And obviously, like that comes from a long tradition of naming this thing and this phenomenon. And I don't really have a lot of explanation for that, or can't really do much to make that make more sense. But it's a very interesting point. I mean, I think our way of looking at things is very like living-centric, oh, of right? of course it is. Like, our, our viewpoint is skewed significantly towards yeah. the human experience. Now, what I want... We're sharing this place with a lot of other entities, and I think we need to start being more cognizant of that. Yeah. Now, there's the, this section I wanted to talk about is not cited to anyone, so I'm assuming... It's in quotes, but I'm assuming it was written by the writer of this page, okay. this wiki page. Um, it's, again, from the cryptids with a Z wiki, and it just basically discusses the idea that... There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of theory that and a lot of other podcasts go that, into this a lot more eloquently than I ever could. Um, last podcast on the left has talked about this. Other paranormal podcasts touch on this. But there is a lot of theory amongst people, particularly who study the combination of cryptids, like classic cryptids, aliens and ghosts, that all three of these things are somewhat related in that they somehow move in and out of the dimension that we occupy. This sort of ties back into a lot of stuff I mentioned with Mantis Man, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of theory that either a lot of what we think are cryptid sightings are actually some sort of spirit manifesting, or a lot of what we think are ghosts are some sort of interdimensional cryptid of some sort, okay. That's crossing in and out. So there's a lot of crossover and aliens as well. There's a lot of theory that they're all the same, maybe not the, exact, the same species, but the same kind of thing. And- a lot of things people point out when they talk about the crossover between ghosts and cryptids, and this comes up here, right? Well, as well is the um, issue with photography with photographing cryptids, which also tends to apply to photographing spirits, and the fact that a lot of uh, these classic cryptids like Bigfoot uh, or Loch Ness monsters don't tend to have eat trackable eating habits. Mm-hmm. So. To quote this article right here, Bigfoot, given its immense size and build, would require a massive intake of nourishment. After all, a fully grown silverback gorilla requires a tremendous amount of food on a daily basis. So imagine the nourishment required by a whole colony of silverbacks. One of the reasons it's so easy to track the movements of them is because they're very social and because they eat so much food. The foraging is so evident. Mm -hmm. And so there's no evidence of Bigfoot's eating habits anywhere it's uh, supposedly been cited. And same with the Loch Ness Monster. There's no depletion of the, like, fish population. There's no... Basically, in other words, these things are showing up and clearly existing, but there's no evidence they're actually doing things to keep themselves alive. See, that's interesting to me because there are a lot of other cryptids that are basically um, proven specifically by their impact on their environment. Exactly, Like, Chupacabra is an explanation for an environmental impact Mm -hmm. that's happening around it and it's i I don't know that's a fascinating point yeah so the theory isn't that like all cryptids are ghosts or that all ghosts are cryptids or what have you a rectangle is a square square you know what i mean um square is a rectangle rectangle is not a square but that there is significant crossover and uh all we're saying is that all of them are rhombuses all of them are rhombuses rhombi (laughs) everything is a rhombus Mm -hmm. cryptids Um, they're like rhombi (laughs) you can quote us on that I don't know why you would, though. That's right. like a Popsicle stick joke. How is a cryptid like a rhombus? Except there's no punchline. No, it's like that Uh, that Edgar Allan Poe joke. The raven on the writing desk. You know that one, right? Oh, the Raven one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how is a raven like a writing desk? Because Poe wrote on both. It's like the only... Yeah. It's like my favorite punchline, but... It's a good one. I didn't know that that was the punchline. I've never heard that. Well, the there is isn't one. <laughs> it, people came up with punchlines to it after. The, it, the joke was written oh. without a punchline in mind, but that's my favorite punchline to it just like the joke from the breakfast club uh anyway so actually let's talk about that was the overview on on ghosts and i just thought that was so fascinating i wanted to drop that in here but what we're here to talk about today it's very halloweeny it's very spooky uh is the kuchisake ona or the slip-mouthed woman and there are a lot of different ways that that name is translated yeah i'm sorry can you can you say that one more time just like slower and more articulate are you saying slip or slit slit mouthed okay thank you i can show you a very scary picture if you would like sure I've seen scarier. That's fair. I was I just wanted to make sure you were prepared. So the Kuchisake Ona is a this is taken from the Paranormal Guide. And I really like the way that they worded this legend. It's just kind of fun and this is a very like solid overview of it. So here we go. I'm gonna tell you guys a story. I'm gonna tell you a story. Ready for a All story? Right, paint me a word picture. Close your eyes if you want. She didn't close her eyes. It's okay. Well, I didn't want the audience to think it was okay to close their eyes if they were, like, driving or operating well, heavy if machinery. If you're a driving or operating heavy machinery, please don't close your eyes. If you are somewhere where it's allowed for you to close your eyes, then it'd do that if you want to. A young person walks down a street in the darkening hours of the evening. Their identity does not matter. Neither does their age or gender because the thing that because is about— Because gender's is not real. Because gender not real and doesn't matter, but also because the thing that is about to befall them does not care for such things. All that matters is that they are young. How young is young? Young is like around like, is like children to like early 20s. Okay. I mean, like that's, that's pretty specific. Yeah. A young, the young person turns off a main road and into a smaller street. The sounds of the evening traffic as people return home from work and other daytime activities growing hollow and distant. There was no one on this new street except for a woman a little ahead. Instantly visible is the surgical mask covering her nose and mouth, not too unusual in this part of the world, where heavy smog, with heavy smog and a fear of airborne illnesses. The woman continues to walk toward the young person, at first looking to walk past, but at the last minute veering to stand directly in front of them. "'Am I beautiful?' the masked woman asks. The young person looks at her. She has long dark hair that passes over her forehead to partially cover her eyes, but even the jet black cannot cover the piercing brilliance of eyes that can only be described as beautiful, although quite intense at the same time. "'Yes, you are,' replies the young person. The woman slightly bows her head in response before clawing out her mask and tearing it away. "'How about now?' The young person is in shock. What stands before them is a disgusting grin. The woman's mouth has been cut, the corners extended from ear to ear. A full set of teeth are easily visible through the cut flesh, the mouth in a permanent smile. Yes. The young person is shocked, and the answer is stammer. They are unable to think. The person they have just met is the slit mouthed woman. The young person has heard the stories told at their school. They turn to run, but only a few. after only a few footsteps, she stands before them once again, a sharp implement in her hands. Scissors? A knife? It does not matter. They cut the youngster's flesh all the same. The victim is found on the street sometime later, their mouth too, bearing the frightening visage of a smile stretched from ear to ear. So goes the story of the slip-mouthed woman, known as the Kuchisake Onna, in the legend's native Japan. What's the motivation? There's, What's there's the- a story to her. There's a lot of theories about the story. I've got some stuff. Okay. I just read that story as uh, a young, as a youth, and it scared me very badly, so I despite the fact that you never have nor probably ever will live in Japan. Yeah. That's rational. <laughs> Did I ever claim to be rational? <laughs> Did fear ever claim to be rational, Alex? Fair point. Yeah. Anyway, the legend is quite old. I'll actually talk about There's a lot of debate about how far back it goes, um, but it came to popularity during the 1970s when sightings were rumored to take place around Nagasaki Prefecture and Kyushu. So... Um, the slipmouth woman was said to be cited in the late 1970s, and basically there was a bit of a mass panic in this area, and the authorities in that part of Japan increased their presence on the street, put on more patrols, and then schools organized students to walk home in groups. So to clarify, this was not all just an elaborate lead-up to Heath Ledger's Joker. Actually, I do have some stuff to tell you about the Joker. Oh, cool. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. There actually are some ties into the Joker. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, it would be impossible for those two things to exist in the same world and not have some influence on each other. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We're getting there. Okay, so schools organized, like, student groups. Students were encouraged Mm -hmm. to walk home in groups. Often teachers would escort them back home because they were encouraged to not walk alone because in the legend she only preys on people alone. And whether it was supposed to be a ghost or not, people were pretty convinced that there was someone targeting people, uh, at least trying to scare them. So students during this time period, children devised, supposedly devised a trick to get out of the the uh, conflict with this spirit. And some said that she, some people who encountered her claimed that she let them go after they said they had another engagement to attend to. <laughs> like when she asked the first question, they were like, I have to be somewhere, I'm sorry. And she was like, okay. So they're like, Okay, so the slip math woman is like, hey, am I beautiful? And they're like, I'm sorry, I have somewhere else to go. Like, I mean, to be fair, this sounds like typical street harassment. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, tell me I'm pretty. And you're like, I already have a boyfriend. (laughs) And then she's like, okay. If you tell her you have a boyfriend, she'll leave you alone. I mean, I guess. Uh, Also, I'll talk more a little bit about this, but the story popped up, has popped up in other countries uh, after this 1970s Mm -hmm. boom. There was a period in the 90s in South Korea where there were sightings of a similar... Nature. Does it go back any further than the seventies? It does or? go back f- further, but there's not a definitive start date. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. It goes as far as I can tell. It goes back very far. There's a actually just really quickly because I couldn't find definitive dates on this, but there are sto- there are people who claim the this specific legend ties into other stories of shapeshifters uh, mm-hmm. in Japanese mythology dating back to the Edo era. Oh, okay. So like way back, and that's actually been tied into a lot of uh, kitsune. Mm -hmm. Mythology as well, which is interesting. There's a lot of shape-shifting ladies um, and following people on streets. But there are a bunch of different origin stories, uh, supposedly. One of them is very sad. They're, I mean, they're all sad. They all end with a woman dying, uh, but. Like, I don't think there's a happy way to get to the end result here, right? There's not like, a happy way to get to the end result. I'm, you're correct. One of the origin stories is that she was a beautiful woman whose husband assumed she was having an affair and basically attacked her so that no, uh, in his mind, no other, no other man would ever want her. And which is really, really dark and upsetting. And then another one, Another story tells how in the early 70s, she was a woman who used to chase and terrify children. And when complaints were made against her, the police tracked her down and she ran into heavy traffic where she was struck and died. And that was her injury from a car, cra- a car hitting her. But that doesn't make much sense because... That's really bizarre. A car wouldn't do that to your face unless it hit you in you a know, very particular way. You know how, way. how cars work. You know how cars are. I know this might be maybe one of our darkest ones I've ever covered. It's just, but the people asked for it, so it's happening. The people asked. Me I mean, this, this is one. not darker than the Pope Lick Trestle. That's like. true. That's true. Although this is just dark in a different way, whereas that was child death. This is domestic violence, but it's still dark. I'm so sorry. Uh, I got to I'm gonna kick over to uh, the Yokai database, which is a, just a, actually really, really fun to go through. It's just a basically a wiki. It's spelled Y O K A I, and it's just a database of Japanese ghost stories, and it is mm-hmm. so much fun to read through. But uh, they group each of them and there's actually some older art if you would like to see there's some more traditionally styled art of her okay uh which is kind of cool but um there's a little section at the top before it goes into more details that it's the translation of the name which you know and it says habitat dimly lit streets and alleys and then diet none though enjoys hard candy Aw, because in older versions of the story, um, actually some of the ones like predating the '70s, you were supposed to if you gave her a gift, like dropped like hard candy on the ground, or like gave her like a book or something, she would just take the gift and leave you alone. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to validate me and also give me a Werther's original. <laughs> exactly. Actually, this further uh, confirms something I have been not I've been saying. Is for... that why they're called lifesavers? <laughs> So that is why they're called lifesavers, and that also solidifies something I have always thought to be true, which is that you should always have hard candy in your pockets and or purse. Just in case. Just in case. The Kuchisake-ona, that's one of the possible origin stories, and specifically, this is covered a lot in Japanese ghost stories. Often they revolve around spirits who are seeking some sort of revenge because they died in extremely violent manners. Um, It's like tortured tortured captives, people defeated in battle, um people murdered in fits of like like in crimes of passion things like that they don't rest well and this is she's regarded as an example of that kind of spirit she doesn't rest well and she's so bent on some kind of vengeance for what was done to her but the person who did it is either no longer alive or is she can't Mm. find so she just spends her time punishing anyone she can find um, and there are different versions of the story, too. The, the the surgical mask is a recent appearance. Like, that's a recent right. addition. Original versions of the story that date further back have her carrying a fan or uh-huh. a handkerchief and right. covering that makes her sense. face with it. Yeah. The surgical mask. Gotta adapt to the times, you know? I was gonna say, that's how the story is adapted. And actually, the origin story has adapted over time because the one from the 1970s revolves around her being murdered by... jealous husband whereas um the version of the story that circulated through south korea in the 1990s uh was about a woman dying in botched plastic surgery interesting yeah that's actually very fascinating to me Mm -hmm. the story shifts with time and then um, well, and location Um, location i mean i'm not an expert in this i don't claim to be and i don't want to make any comments of a sweeping cultural nature That's not my goal here. But I just happened to be watching something just the other day about, like, the Korean relationship with plastic surgery. Oh, yeah. On Beauty Standards, specifically in the early 2000s. And, like, from what I understand, it's shifted somewhat now. Oh, yeah. but, But that's fascinating. Well, because I think, you know, more often than not, the explanations that we come... Like, okay, ancient mythology was a way to understand the world around us and a way to sort of codify our relationship with the natural world in its vast and inexplicable glory. Like everything about Greek mythology being a way to explain, you know, everything from the changing of the seasons to the reason why there was a very climbable hill that nobody ever bothered to check and see if the gods were up there or not. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you got to have your reasons for understanding things right. Or like yeah. how influenza was, you know, the influence of the stars or what, what have you. But it's fascinating to me that um, as time has gone on and our understanding of the world has broadened or gotten more specific in some cases, we still are looking for ways to explain and understand and relate to the sometimes inexplicable things that humans do. And I think it's fascinating that we're still going to always find ways to bring storytelling back as a way to enhance our relationship with the world around us. Absolutely. No, it's so interesting also, by the way, in case you were thinking you could win by keeping your cool and and not, like, get it and remaining calm and just lying and saying yes when she takes the mask off. Or if you say yes and genuinely think she still looks beautiful, which maybe, like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, guys. But she will still follow you home and kill you with scissors. Sorry. Cool. That's not, uh, I'll go into, I have some survival She specifically, tips. like, follows you, though. Like, you acknowledge her and you're like, all right, bye. And then, like, you turn mm-hmm. around to walk and she's just, like, there. Yep. She likes it when you give her candy. Right. Or money. What if you, like, stop in a drugstore on the way home while she's following (laughs) you and buy her candy? Can you do that? Like, if you don't have candy at the initial meeting? No, you know what? That is something I actually do not know. Is the candy offer still valid? It's like, is there a time limit on the candy? Do you have to give the candy when you first meet her? Or, like, can that come later? I don't know, actually. I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on the candy. (laughs) Yeah, is, like I—that's I what I'm curious about. Like the whole candy thing, right? If you—if you have candy with you, but you panic when she takes off the mask, like is she just gonna go straight to assaulting you, or do you have a moment? Can you be like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, on, hold on. wait, hang, I got candy. I think if you tell her you um, have candy. And then she'll be like, all right. Or if she's like, it's too late for that now. <laughs> you know what? She might be like, you shouldn't have told me I was beautiful. You should have given the candy and then asked questions, <laughs> which is how I like to handle my was, social interactions. I was people. just going to say that sounds, that's very relatable. Um, well, it must be your time of the mud. That was my shitty stand-up, co- male stand-up comedian voice. Yeah. Anybody who tries that line on me, like, no amount of candy will save you. Yeah. You just booked a face train to Pain Town. <laughs> pain town. Yeah, it's, like, right next to Miseryville. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. I understand. They run on the same line. It's A. They run on the same line. Just don't take the local, because during rush hour, it's going to take you forever to get there. Oh, my God, totally. Okay, so while I was doing my research, what I found was a piece on the Horror News Network written by Teresa Matsura. That's my—sorry if I butcher butcher, uh, her name, but— She's a Japanese writer, and a lot of her description of the legend is specifically based on the people in her life and how they grew up learning about it. So she says, I'm just going to read some excerpts from it. My brother-in-law was a little boy in the late 70s. This seems to have been one of the times when the Kuchisake-ona scare was at its height. Children all over Japan were terrified of this torn-mouthed woman, and it didn't take long before people began to report actual sightings. My husband says he remembers for several months his little brother going out into the garden before school and filling his book bag with rocks. When asked why, he said the Kuchisake-ona targeted kids coming home from school, and it was the only chance he had against her. You have to remember that in much, if not all, of Japan, school buses aren't used to ferry kids from bus stops to school. Children walk. Even if the school they go to is 30, 40, or 50 minutes away, they all walk. Parents aren't allowed to drop them off, either. So it's not uncommon at all to see a tiny six-year-old girl with a vinyl backpack strapped on walking to school in near pre-dawn light. You know, actually, Pokemon makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. It always did seem weird that they were like, all right, my 12-year-old son, time to go out and make your way in the world. (laughs) Also, much of the anime I watched growing up makes more sense now because I kept thinking, like, why? Why are, they walk, why are they walking if it takes them this long to get there? If they're running late for school, why are they just shoving their breakfast in their mouth as they run? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't they ask someone for a ride? But anyway. Which means that in the winter months, these same kids are coming home in the dark. They walk in groups, but as friends reach their own houses, they break off, and eventually you have little ones walking alone the rest of the way home. That's how it was done back in brother-in-law's day, and that's how it's done now. In the 70s, and then she talks about this as well, what I mentioned before. In the 70s, it was still popular legend that she was a vengeful spirit, that she was a beautiful woman who had cheated on her husband. And in a fit of rage, her husband had uh, sliced her face um, so that no one would think she was beautiful ever again. Now, she says, my son is 15 years old, but when he was younger, there was a time when his friends and classmates also kept a watchful eye out for the same kuchisake But the story had changed. My son's version is of a woman with a plastic surgery gone wrong. So that's the same Hmm. Sorry, and says the end of that is very 21st century. I'm like, yeah, I mean. Also, I'm just going to preempt this and say that literally the first person to comment on this link or say anything to us about how she had it coming is getting kick banned from every social media account we own. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would hope at this point we've curated the kind of listener base that wouldn't say something like that. But you never know. That's true. You never know. Absolutely not. There is never an excuse for that. No. No. Like, I can, I can laugh about some of the silly aspects of the legend. Like, they'll, like, give her some candy and she'll leave you alone, this ghost. But, like, the actual origin story is heartbreakingly sad. Like that Yeah, is, I mean, like, and let's horrible. not get it wrong. Like, yeah. cheating's not cool either, but those two things are not even remotely on the same level. Yeah, that the punishment did not fit the crime there. And if someone cheats on you, then just remove yourself from the relationship. Yeah, seriously, you don't need that in your life. Anyway, we have a lot of relationship advice on this show lately, which is Yeah, sorry, weird. I didn't even take a deep dive there. No, I just a, wanted no, to preemptively right. say something. No, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Now, this is something you referenced Heath Ledger's Joker earlier in this episode. So I, I really sure did, wanna, did. I did want to bring up. Uh, there was a bit of discussion on multiple sources um, that I found about this. That there is a, a lot of theory that uh, Bob Kane was inspired by this legend in the creation of the Joker, and that in like later design of the Joker was inspired by the Kusakayona, the scarred smile, um, ashen tone. Green hair, scars on the face in the shape of a smile. Yeah, okay, but let's get something straight. The Joker, like, that was never the original character design. Oh, no, I know. It has nothing to do with it. No, I know. He's a clown. Okay. I understand. The evolution... Into more likely, I think this person's stretching, more likely, though, I do think, the redesign of the Joker in 2008 for The Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger, played the Joker, claims that his look was created by his father, who took a knife and cut me from ear to ear. That is almost certainly a direct reference to this legend. Like, it's hard to separate those out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for oh, no, sure. No, I'm just saying, like, that has very little to do oh, with no, the Joker. No. I'm not making the claim that the original Joker, that's from this guy. Okay. Not making that claim. This guy's like this was a thing that happened, but uh. that's an interesting source to draw inspiration from for such a disparate thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let me just—I have to open. I don't like know why this woman that was the victim of partner abuse in you know Asia. Seems like a very fitting source of inspiration for our white man villain in this tortured remake of the Dark Knight. I mean, yeah. I'm all for drawing from folklore, like in terms of crafting fascinating you know, characters of all areas and angles of motivation. I just think that's an odd choice. Oh, yeah, absolutely um has anyone ever explicitly stated that that was a source of inspiration for that character no they have not that's just a theory it's all theories we're all just we're all just playing a weird improv game here okay i don't know but i do specifically think just because the actual visual of the way she is drawn Mm -hmm. and like portrayed and there have been so many there have actually been a lot of films about her that she pops up in pop culture all over the place that it's I, it's it's almost hard to imagine that, particularly even just the design team on the Dark Knight, when they were researching the actual design work, didn't come across that image. Not to put you on the spot, but do you have any other examples, like specifically any other films that made it over stateside? Oh, of her in pop culture. Let me. I actually do have it. I just have to pull it back up. Because that to me would make like more sense as a direct lineage for that inspiration than, like, this character design team stumbling on this and saying, this would be a great thing for the oh, Joker. No. Yeah, this is right now. Now I'm just saying stuff. But um, let me go to pop culture. I think it's mostly, I don't know how much of it's made it over stateside. Um, It's mainly, it's films that are, it's it's a lot of Japanese films. Like, mm. don't get me wrong, there's a heck ton. Oh, hey, <laughs> there is a character in Mortal Kombat based on the kuchisake Okay. Okay, um, that's pretty cool. yeah. Um, there's, that's the only thing I can find that has any sort of crossover into. What's the character's name? Uh, her name is Melina. M-I-L-E-E-N-A. Uh, Mortal Kombat's character, Melina, is, it says, this is again supposedly, and it's on Wikipedia, so I don't know what to tell you. Based on the Kichisakiana. Looking at pictures. Sorry, I don't play Mortal Kombat. No, it's fine. I mean... A dual side-wielding assassin, she acts as the evil twin and magenta palette swap of Princess Kitana in Mortal Kombat 2. She has been promoted throughout the Mortal Kombat games as its semi-iconic sex symbol ever since Mortal oh. Kombat Deception. Oh. Anyway, I want to read you some of these movie titles. Yeah, let's hear it. These are all... Uh, I actually want to watch some of these. I if Okay, excuse good. me. What? The series' 2011 reboot made her even more psychologically unstable, not to mention cannibalistic. And her resemblance to her sister has greatly diminished. In the backstory of Mortal Kombat X, Melina is the sole surviving heir of Shao Khan and vies for the outworld throne with the warlord Kotal Khan. Despite <laughs> conflicting messages from the dualism of her design leading to some negative criticism, Melina has had mostly positive reception from fans and critics alike. I don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. The only thing I know about Mortal Kombat is finish him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway. She's like a universally beloved cannibal, I guess. Like I mean, we've got some of those in pop culture. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Uh I don't know. Um anyway, some films, some live action films. There's actually a lot of live action films. Oh my god. Um so we've got uh, just one called Kuchisake We've got one called The Slip-Mouthed Woman. We've got one called Carved, colon, The Slip-Mouthed Woman. We've got one called Carved 2, The Scissors Massacre. The Slip-Mouthed Woman 0, The Beginning. Uh, and then I think there's a whole bunch of other ones, uh, but my favorite of them is absolutely Slip-Mouthed Woman in L.A. Oh. Directed by two Japanese directors, so I don't know if it had an, a U.S. release, but if they mean Los Angeles, which I assume they do, That's very... Or Louisiana. I doubt they mean Louisiana. Anyway. (laughs) I hope they mean Louisiana. I hope they mean Louisiana. Also, if... um, There's also a bunch of... uh, There's also a uh, manga and anime about her, and she also appears in several other um, things all over the place. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, The American television series uh, Constantine, uh, developed for NBC, has an episode... In episode five, the Kuchisake Ona is apparently referenced. I don't know anything about it. I just know that that is a thing. Okay, interesting. Um. Also, oh, wait a minute. Ferris, a comic book that, or a comic series that is a spin off of Fables, which is a DC comic, features a character named Mayumi who is uh, canonically based on the Kuchisake Ona. Okay, cool. So she does exist in the DC universe. Anyway, <laughs> that was a weird little tangent to go on. I just got excited. We just had to, like, reverse engineer the Joker for a hot second. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Basically, the rest of the uh, thing, I, I wanna, I'm I want. going to talk about survival tips in a minute. But the last thing I want to talk about is something that came up when I was researching. Uh, when I was researching this, I found uh, t- not the same thing, but another uh, Japanese Mythological uh, creature. Um, I, when I searched the Kuchisake Ona on the Cryptids Wiki, I found, please come, please load, come on, man. I found something called the Futakachi, or nope, that's wrong, the Futakuchi Ona, which is similar in name and is the two mouthed woman. Oh. This is another uh, type of Japanese monster. They're characterized by their two mouths, one located Fair. on their face and a second one on the back of the head beneath her hair. Their second secret mouth. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Second secret mouth. The, uh, Futakuchi-ona is, he is classified as being the same type of ghost story as the Kuchisake-ona and a couple others. They are women who appear normal until sort of the last moment of their story, so to speak, and then the true self is revealed, the supernatural element. Um, women, am I right? Oh my gosh. They seem beautiful at first, but just wait till they open up their second secret mouth on you. Yeah, in the origin story of the this particular uh, type of ghost, a second mouth mysteriously appears on the back of a woman's head. The second mouth mumbles spiteful things and threatens things to the woman and demands food. <laughs> if it is not fed, it screams obscenely and causes her tremendous pain. You meet a hot chick and you think you're going somewhere, and then all of a sudden her secret hair mouth starts whispering <laughs> mean things. Oh, and God. And then shrieking in otherworldly agony. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. What was the name of this? He was. This was a real person. There was a guy who had a second face, and he claimed it would talk to him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Voldemort? No, 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 no. no. This was a real. Um, I'm looking it up. I have to. I have to look this up really quickly. I'm yeah, so look sorry. up real guy with secret face. No. Um, I. They. They did a reimagination of him in, in American Horror Story season four. Even though it was, they did a. I didn't really care for what they did with it, but I remember the man um like reading his actual story edward mordrake his name was edward mordrake who had an extra face on the back of his head? Um, that was probably like likely to be like an absorbed twin sure. in a womb. And he claimed, uh, until he committed suicide, he claimed that it spoke to him and said horrible things, like in the middle of the night when he was trying to sleep, and a lot of other things. But that's very interesting to me um, that there was an actual. Per- There's not that we ever have evidence that it was a functional mouth, but he right. did have a second mouth, like it existed on the back of his head. Do you have pictures. <laughs> Um, Of Eber Mordrick? yes, actually, I just closed it, but I will pull one up for you. Which doesn't sound like the name of a real person, but he was a guy. Like, there's only like one picture of him, and you can't really see the face very well. But that's see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a little like deformed one. It wasn't like a full like face. Yeah, so it was it's like, clearly a little, not like, a full face. No, it was um. clearly like the av- it was clearly like the remainder of an absorbed twin. Now these are all uh, like fictionalized versions of him. Oh, but This right. is the actual picture. Hmm, that's it's, really like, interesting. Like a little like shriveled up face. Yeah. Right. It's wild. It's very, very interesting. And um, then there's all like fictionalizations of it. And obviously, there's a lot of other reasons he could have thought that his f- face was speaking to him, like undiagnosed schizophrenia, a lot of other sure. things. But it's just an interesting story that seemed relevant to the woman with the two mouths. So I do. I didn't since I didn't do in depth research on her. I don't know what happens if you encounter her on the street and her second mouth opens. I assume it eats you I, or it screams. I I don't know well, I mean she's like it said that it demanded food, and then if she didn't comply, like the mouth would cause her great pain until she, she has did. A so second, I'm assuming yeah. what happens is that she then harms you. it's not the mouth she, acting yeah. on its own, it's her acting on the mouth. she has a wonders. second mouth and it must scream, yes, she has, she has two has mouths, too many mouths. <laughs> she has two mouths, and they must scream two mouth woman, too many mouths, <laughs> two mouth woman, too too many mouths. <laughs> <laughs> My oh oh no, 80s stand up comedian Joe is coming back. Ugh most women only have one mouth and they can't shut it up. What about two? That's a nightmare. That's the scariest part of that story. What did, what did you say this character's name was? Stand up comedian Joe. Cool, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, he's a nightmare. Um so survival tips. <laughs> I talked a little bit about you want to give her candy. Candy. Keep candy in your candy pockets. Or... Just keep a candy pocket at all times. That's just like a good tip for interacting with anybody in if general. You've, if you've seen Over the Garden Wall, you might recall that the little boy in Over the Garden Wall carries candy in his pockets that he uses to <laughs> distract a monster. So I'm just saying. follow Follow that guideline. Literally, it's just like a Snickers commercial. She's just not her when she's hungry. She's just not her when she's hungry. So, there's no... The thing about the question she asks you is that I think, as I said before, there is no right answer. If you say no... Women, am I right? If you say no or scream, she kills you. If you run, (laughs) she'll cut you in half. And if you... Okay, sorry. I was wrong. I switched the things. If you say no, she'll walk away, then follow you home and kill you. If you say yes, then she'll accuse you of lying and kill you. Hmm. Um, Like right there. And if you run, she'll cut you in half. So what you have to do, there are a lot of- She's got some self-esteem issues. She's got some serious issues. Um, So (laughs) there's the offering of money or candy, but the actually, the predominant piece of advice for like from the modern version of the legend in the 70s for how to get away from her- Is to confuse, stay completely unruffled and calm when she removes her mask and then to not answer the question definitively with a yes or a no. So give her a like kind of vague answer. Like you say, this is, I feel bad for laughing at this, but you're just supposed to say something like, you're okay. Ah, like I thought you were going to say more about, like, just give her sort of, like, sweeping platitudes about how beauty is not, like, a yes no. or no answer. You're supposed to say either, you're okay, um, or so-so, which she, like, t- has to take a second to decide if that means she's going to kill you one way or the other way, and then you run away. Or it actually gives you, it advises you to flip the question and ask her if she thinks you're pretty. What if you ask her if she thinks she's pretty? Oh, man. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but that's the cat. <laughs> that's boring. Yeah, but, like, just yeah. imagine, okay, so, like... The woman comes up to you, right, with, like, the mask of her face, and she's like, do you think I'm pretty? And you're like, that doesn't matter. What matters is if you think you're pretty. Do you think you're pretty? Do you think you're pretty? Yeah. That's what I would do. Okay, so, sorry. This particular piece that I'm pulling the survival tips from, this is from ranker.com, actually says, traces her her the legend back to the 1600s. Cool. And then says that it experienced a resurgence in the 70s with supposed sightings that... Then, eventually, around 1979, just stopped. Huh. Which is really interesting. And this is one really weird story. Uh, This is one story. The only story I have from a... I can think of from a survivor. Um, And it's a really weird one. Few people live to tell the tale after seeing the Kuchisake-ona. But there are some stories from survivors. One boy encountered the terrifying spirit as he was taking a shortcut through the woods. Uh, his mother wanted, warned him to stay away from the remote area, but he didn't listen. But he did know one thing. Evil spirits could be banished by certain words. When the Kitsuke Ona stepped out from behind a tree and confronted him, he fell in terror, landing on his back. She gazed down at him and asked her famous question, Am I pretty? As she removed her mask to reveal her face, he grabbed his cross necklace and chanted the devil's curse, I banish you to the shadow of death. I corrupt you to the netherworld from which no one has come. Into the dirt no being should ever cross." He had hoped she would just run away, but instead, demonic hands rose from the dirt behind her and grabbed her legs, pulling her into the earth. As she sank, she told him, I will be back, and I will tear you to pieces. Oh, wow. That's very much. Mm Mm-hmm. So... (laughs) I mean, that's one way to, like, answer the question of a woman ever asked you if she's beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. returning to the whole, like, early 80s, 90s stand-up humor thing. Like, what are you supposed to say to a woman? Like, you're supposed yeah. to say that. You're supposed to <laughs> recite the devil's curse at her. Yep. And now I've got really one quick parting uh, note on her. I know I said survival tips already, but one quick parting note on her, which is uh, a fun little offshoot of the uh, of the ona which is appears in the United States. There were rumors of a demonic clown... Hiding in public Weird. bathrooms, waiting for unsuspecting children to come in. When they did, he would grab them and ask, do you want death or a happy smile? If they chose the latter, he would use his giant knife to slice their mouths. And if they chose the former, then they died. Beep, beep, Richie. Beep, beep, Richie. <laughs> when was that? Uh, There is literally no date on it. It just is. In the U.S., there was a clown. Um, See, because that is like a, a very obvious predecessor to the Joker. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. But that's supposed to be an offshoot of the Kuchisake Ona. Yeah, true. So, hey, maybe there's it's it's the um, A is B and B is C, so C is A, like right. kind of thing. Syllogisms. Now, the legend of the Kuchisake Ona predicts her eventual return to Japan one day where she will continue to seek vengeance on the world. Oh. Just saying. Just saying. I'm going to read this little bit right here because it's very ominous. When she returns again, she will no longer show any trace of the beautiful woman she once was. Instead, she will be the picture of death, decomposed with half of her face eaten away by rot. So when the slip-mouthed woman reappears on Earth looking for an answer to her age-old query, be prepared to give her the right answer or pay the ultimate price. But there is no right answer. So this is a thing where, like, she comes back, like, periodically. She'll, Supposedly. like, come in and out and, like, she's more deteriorated every time, I guess? That's the theory. The That's thing interesting. About this, yeah, the thing about this legend is it got so uh, like a lot of legends that got kind of picked up by the creepypasta world mm-hmm. is it's gotten so degraded over time by people right. fictionalizing it in their own putting their own twist on it that it's hard to trace the actual original legend sure, that's fair but supposedly it's 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 very very interesting to read about and i'm definitely going to sit down one of these days maybe that'll be a rabbit thing we do on patreon as one of the kuchisaka ono movies if i can find one with subtitles somewhere because i would like to understand what's happening in it but i mean uh, first things first we got to watch troll hunter but well oh my god absolutely it's on netflix I know. Um, I haven't seen it in ages, too. I'd like to watch it again. But uh, anyway, that's the kuchisake Onna. That's the split-mouthed woman. So if you voted for that on Patreon, I hope that that satisfied you. And if you did not vote for it, uh, dem- we're a democracy. Power of the people. And if you didn't vote at all, congratulations. You get away scot-free without any horrible knife death. Yeah. That's what we learned from this episode. If you said maybe, no, you have to say something. You just have to say something confusing. You have to say something. non... here's the thing: when someone asks you a difficult question, the best way to respond is a just a vague, non-committal answer, and then you run or you give them candy. Dang, that's more '80s. Or you comedy. can do both by yeah. handing her a fortune cookie. <laughs> So she gets the candy and then she cracks it open and, like, there's a weird sort of half-generalized platitude answer to her question. (laughs) She cracks it open and it's like beauty is within. Aw. 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 In all seriousness, like, that's true. Don't, don't, don't. Beauty does come from within. Stuff your pockets full of fortune cookies. Stuff your pockets full of fortune cookies. Stuff your pockets full of candy and platitudes. And that'll hopefully get you home safe. (laughs) The little boy who filled his bag full of rocks should have filled it full of candy. Someone should have told him. But anyway, uh, so that's that's going to do it for that one. I just thought this was a very uh, specifically kind of a Halloween-y. Yeah, cool. uh, More of a ghost story than usual. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it because this is one of my favorite uh, urban legends. And yeah. I thought it was fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see. Hey, Alex. Yeah. Do you think I'm a good podcast host? You're Okay. And then you run away and you're safe. Do we have any... I don't think we have announcements. I say that every time like you know more than me about announcements. As if I would somehow have access to secret announcement information that you do not possess on any of our shared accounts. (laughs) That's true. I don't believe we have any announcements, no. Just thank you to everyone for all of your continued support, as always. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, and thank you for uh, like iTunes reviews, reviews, even the bad ones. They're still interesting and helpful, even though I don't read the reviews anymore. So if you have a genuine uh, complaint about the show you want me to actually hear, please uh, tweet it at me or send me a DM on Twitter. Uh, I won't be mean to you. I just don't read reviews anymore because they make me uh, anxious. So that's something. I mean, still leave them. It helps I mean, like, our overall like. I just listener mean base, get a don't expect them. me to see them. If you if you like the show and you want people to see it, please rate us and review us on iTunes and tell your friends. Word of mouth has actually been one of the biggest helps to the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, if that's something you're into, please keep that up. And just thank you for any kind of support, be it financial, be it word of mouth, be it tweeting, be it drawing cryptids for Inktober, it's, which is amazing. I've seen a lot of people doing that. It's super yeah, cool. Yeah, super, super cool. Um, we will have new merch for you soon. Yes, we We're do gonna have We're going to be that. rolling out t-shirts We're going to be rolling so. out t-shirts. That's in the works. So keep an eye out for that on our socials. I think pre-orders will probably go out to, first and foremost, the people in our um, Crypto Keeper Appreciation Group on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so, that's another incentive for you to get in and join the party. Yep, if you'd like access to that, come on you can in, join. in. the fine. Yep. Um, yeah, so come join us on Facebook in our group. It's a happening spot, and oh, we yeah. have a lot of just fun in there going on all the time. Every day, there's some new post that makes me cackle. So. Oh my God, yes. And then we're on Twitter at CryptKeepPod. We're on Facebook under The Cryptic Keeper. Our Patreon is The Cryptic Keeper. And that is all of our stuff. Uh, our music is by Andrew Giotta. And as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.